My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we've been into a sermon series called The Church. We started last week, and we talked a little bit last week about the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, where the Bible teaches us to, Jesus actually commanded and said, go and do what? Make disciples of all nations to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey all the things that Jesus commanded. We talked about how our local mission as a church is to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. That's the mandate that God's given us. That's our portion of the Great Commission. And we learned that it's not just the role of leadership in the church to share the gospel and share a story, but God actually wants to lead a multiplication movement. God wants to start a movement. He wants to equip the entire church to be able to share their story and to share the gospel. And so in small groups this past week, we had opportunity for people to share in three minutes or less the difference that Jesus made in their life. And it's really cool because if I were to go around this room and interview one of y- every one of y'all, which would be really cool to do, by the way, and I begin to hear your story and hear what Jesus has done in your life, man, I'm just here to tell you tonight, like, Jesus has done a lot of stuff in this room. There is a lot of amazing stories of the work that Jesus has done, and God actually wants to equip you and enable you to share it. And the other thing that God wants to enable and equip you to do is actually to share the good news of Jesus, to be able to share the gospel with other people. Imagine if every single person in this room felt equipped to go and share the good news of Jesus with someone else. What might God do with that? And so I think a lot of us have given our yes to Jesus. We're like, yep, Lord, I will follow you. I will take Jesus. I will, I'm willing to share my story. I'm even willing to learn how to share the gospel. But I definitely feel like there's a gap between, like, me saying yes to you and me feeling inadequate. Me feeling like, man, like, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I don't know if I have the courage and the boldness to actually step out and actually start sharing my faith with my neighbor. To maybe share a little bit of what Jesus has done in my life. Like that seems like quite a gap. And it is a gap. But there's good news. The Holy Spirit actually enables us. It gives us boldness in the book of Acts it talks about. To be able to actually boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus. Peter was a man who had betrayed Jesus. Three times, didn't have the backbone enough to stand up for his faith. But in Acts chapter 2, when they were all in the upper room, God filled Peter and the disciples there that were waiting with the Holy Ghost. And a man who had betrayed Jesus three times, didn't have the backbone to stand up and have the courage to say, I know him, boldly proclaimed the good news of Jesus unashamedly, and 3,000 people became Christians that day. And the church on that very day was born. You see, when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it gives you a boldness to proclaim your story and the good news of what Jesus has done. He is the game changer. And matter of fact, in Acts chapter 2, that's how the church was born. The church was born when God poured out the Holy Spirit. And the very DNA... What makes up the church is the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, there's a guy named Francis Chan. He wrote a book called Forgotten God. And a lot of us don't know about this Holy Spirit. 
and who he is and how he works. But the Holy Spirit is actively at work in our lives. And not only does he want to work in us, but he wants to work through us. And he doesn't want to just work through leaders and pastors. God's plan is to fill every single one of you with his spirit so you're empowered and enabled with God's passion and God's power to go and do what God has called you to do. Now that sounds really, really awesome. Like how many of us would want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How many of us would want to have the power and presence of God, the passion of God working through our lives to impact and bring hope and healing to other people? I think all of us would want that. Like it it actually sounds pretty cool. It sounds pretty awesome. But for a lot of us, and for all of us really, that is a process. There's a process of God preparing us. There's a process of God preparing us for what he's called all of us to do. You know that Jesus himself went through a process of preparation for ministry? Now, if Jesus himself went through a process of preparation, then I dare say we have to as well, right? Like, he was God, and we are not, okay? And so if Jesus had to be prepared, we also have to be prepared as well. Here's the good news. God wants to fill you with his spirit. For the church to really be the church, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what God, what God uses to enable us. It fills us with the passion and power of God. It gives us gifts and abilities and his fruit and enables us to be the church that God has called us to be. It enables us to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. One author put it this way, spiritual leadership requires spirit-filled people. So, so I just encourage you, maybe you haven't experienced like the Holy Spirit before, and I just encourage you just to begin to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit because he really longs to do that. He longs to fill you up to the brim with his very presence and power. But don't be surprised if after you have this spiritual encounter, this spiritual breakthrough in your life, that you go through really, really difficult, challenging times. AJ shared at Yarmouth Wesleyan about a month ago when they were baptizing some people, he mentioned how after people get baptized, and if this can be any kind of breakthrough you have in your life with your relationship with God, maybe you first became a Christian, or maybe you experienced God give you a fresh word, or, or God's done a fresh work in your life, or you made the decision to be baptized, one of the things that AJ said is after you're baptized, like, be ready because the tests and the trials are coming. You've just had a a breakthrough moment. And if you look all through Scripture, right as God is birthing something fresh and new, there's almost always a pushback, a trial, a resistance from the devil. It happens, like, almost throughout all of Scripture. And I was talking to uh, someone in our prayer circle last week as we pray before the service starts, and uh, she said to us, she's like, man, she's like, Ever since my baptism, I feel like it's been one battle and one struggle after another. And she gave me permission to share that tonight. Because it's true. Like the Christian life is breakthrough and battle and breakthrough and battle and breakthrough and battle. So here's what we can do as we learn how to be the church and learn how to be spirit-filled is we can actually expect the battles 
after the breakthrough. So if you've experienced any kind of breakthrough in your life, you feel like you're growing with God and God is doing a work in your life, expect battles to come. And some of you are here tonight and you are in a battle. You are struggling. And I just want to encourage you tonight. You have no idea how much God actually wants to use that battle to actually prepare you to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus had this amazing moment with his father in Luke chapter 3 where he was filled, the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us, descended on him like a dove. And this booming voice came from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And it said that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you all like to have one of those moments with God? Where like the heavens open and you hear this booming voice and saying, this is my child and God fills you with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's the moment Jesus had. A real breakthrough moment. It was, he was 30 years old. He was just about to start his ministry. So God had, the, the Holy Spirit had descended on Jesus in the form of a dove. He was enabled and ready to go and do the work that God, his father, had called him to do. But do you not want to know what happened after Jesus has this incredible breakthrough? After he's filled with the Spirit, he had to go through a season of preparation. And I want to tell you something. It wasn't very fun. And as we read in Luke's gospel in chapter 4, the Spirit actually led Jesus into the wilderness. Check this out in Luke chapter 4. It says this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, post Luke chapter 3, Returned from the Jordan after he was baptized, because he was baptized in the Jordan, right? And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. God's Spirit led him into an isolated place to be tested. You know, Mark's gospel uses the language driven in the same story that Jesus was driven into the desert by the Holy Spirit. You know, that word driven in Mark's gospel, it, it's the Greek word exbalo, and it means to like be cast out or driven. It's the same word that's used when Jesus was casting out demons. It's like a forceful, you're going this way. And Jesus was driven by the Spirit into a season of challenge, a season of wilderness, a season of testing, a season of being tried. Why? Well, I think for one thing, he modeled something for us. That often when God does a fresh work inside of you, when God, you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit or God speaks a word into you, there's a process that God wants to take you on to burn that into your very character and to teach the, you the humility and the dependency on God's Spirit so that you don't just get puffed up and think, I can do this. You see, the Holy Spirit is all about enablement. It's all about enabling you to do what God's called you to do. 
But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's really easy for you to just trust in your own strength, your own ability. There needs to be a humility knowing that everything that God does in and through my life is all him and he gets all the credit and all the glory. And our human character needs to go through wilderness seasons to teach us dependence and humility. And that's exactly what we see Jesus modeling here in the wilderness for 40 days without food. You see, the fire of trials is what burns the words of God and the work of God into our very character. I uh, was watching Lord of the Rings and there's a broken sword in that. Lord of the Rings is like my favorite movies. And they have a broken sword uh, for the king of Gondor. And the blacksmith has to like heat this up to I don't know how many thousand degrees to make it malleable so it will come together again. And so the blacksmith does this process of putting this sword into very, very high heat. And then what do they do when they bring that sword out of the fire? They start pounding the thing, right? Hammering it. The blacksmith is hammering the sword to make it into something that's useful and purposeful. Now, how does it sound like having the heat turned up to 3,000 degrees in your life? Sound pretty good? What about being pounded with a hammer? How does that sound? Not so great, right? That's right. Doesn't sound very good. But God is allowing us to go through seasons of wilderness to shape us and mold us, to prepare us to be broken vessels that the Holy Spirit can work through. Some of you are in a trial, in a battle tonight, and God's not taking the battle away anytime soon. Because he has a purpose in the battle. He wants to work in and through your life. And as a matter of fact, some of the deep stuff that's in our character, it won't come out unless we go through adversity. And so God actually has to allow us to go through trials and tests to work the stuff out of our character so we can actually use us. And so some of us are in that season. And you know what? Some of us have to be driven into the wilderness because we wouldn't pick it. How many of you guys like, like the idea of going through tests and trials? Nobody. But God uses them to prepare us to be vessels, vessels that are dependent on him, that are trusting in him. And that also can persevere in difficult times. A few weeks ago, Mike was here, Mike McNeil from Kingswood University, and he had this amazing illustration. I'm going to say it again. He had these, he talked about in the States how they had this test of planting trees in like an ideal um, atmosphere. So they planted these trees and there was no wind. It was like perfect like climate for trees to grow and prosper and flourish. And so these trees grew like crazy. But when they got to full maturity, these trees actually fell over. You want to know why they, didn't, they fell over? Because their roots weren't strong. They hadn't experienced resistance. I remember when we had a hurricane here a couple of years ago. And uh, last time I checked, there's actually a lot of rocks in the soil around here. You ever notice that? That's a thing. Well, we had, was it Dorian a couple of years ago? Right? Man, there was a lot of trees that went down. 
and part of the reason why a lot of trees went down, besides the fact it blew like 200 kilometers an hour, is that the root system of these trees, there's so many rocks, it, it, it didn't have an opportunity to like be deeply rooted. In the same way, like if we don't go through adversity, the stuff that God doesn't have, it won't take root. When, we, when adversity comes, when pressure comes, when difficult things happen, we'll topple over. And so God has to allow us to experience adversity to actually develop our character, to prepare us, to humble us, to make us actually dependent on God. So that when God does something in and through our lives, it's all him. It's all him. So some of you are in a season of a battle and a struggle, and I'm here to tell you, it's probably exactly where God wants you to be. Maybe the Spirit has driven you into a season of wilderness. You know, Jesus, the Bible teaches us, Jesus went 40 days without food. And the very next line in this verse says, and he was hungry. And I'm like, yeah, Luke, he was hungry. You try going without 40 days without eating. But Jesus was fasting. And what fasting does, it puts us in a position where we are dependent on God. Fasting is this discipline that we do in the church where we just go without food. And we wait on God. And it teaches us that we need God more than anything. More than even the air we breathe, we need God. I don't mind reading my Bible. I kind of like praying. I love to worship like you all were doing tonight. But I don't like fasting. <laughs> Not one of those disciplines my go-to thing to do. Especially like this one recent time, my wife made this batch of bacon. On the day I was fasting, I was like, are you serious right now? Like the smell was just going through the house. And fasting is this thing that's like we don't talk about a lot. But I want to tell you something. Read church history. Read the stories of the people that were mightily used of God, in particular to do healing and signs and wonders and, and who walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what you're going to find through almost every single one of their lives? Their lives was characterized by spending time praying and fasting and waiting on the Holy Spirit's power. And it's no accident that after Jesus' time in the wilderness of praying and fasting, he returns, the Bible teaches us, to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we start to see the release of Spirit in and through his life. See, God prepares us in private for public impact. It's in those seasons of private that God prepares us for the different things he wants us and calls us to do. It's you learning to be faithful in the little things. Even when no one else is watching, you're just doing your thing, you're honoring God, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when you don't agree, even when all the other things are going on, you're saying, no, Lord, from my heart, I am going to be faithful to you and honor you in the private spaces of my life. When no one else is watching, when I'm home with my device or I'm by myself, I am going to honor you in private. And it's in those times when you overcome those battles because the enemy does come in those times. He comes to tempt us and discourage us and tries to draw us away and take us away from God. But when we learn to overcome the enemy in those private times, God prepares you for the public platform. Think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. He was thrown into a pit. He could have got bitter. Then he went to Potiphar's house. He was tempted sexually. 
He resisted, said, no way, Jose. He was unjustly put in prison. Did Joseph get bitter? No. He faithfully served his God in prison when no one else was watching. And God prepared Joseph in the pit, in Potiphar's house, and in the prison. So he was ready one day to lead in the palace. God prepares you in private for public impact. Think about David. We know the story of David and Goliath where David smokes him in the head with a sling, with a rock, and chops his head off and is victorious. But what we don't know, some of us don't realize, David said, what I've done to the bear and what I've done to the lion when I'm tending my sheep and no one else is watching, that's prepared me to stand up and fight this giant. Then we look at the life of Jesus. And we look at when Jesus chose his disciples, what did he do? He went away, the Bible teaches us, to an isolated area to pray and talk to the Father. And the Father downloaded to him the disciples that he was supposed to pick. And where do we see Jesus at the end of his life? We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, preparing for the greatest moment, the hardest moment, the most difficult test, the most difficult trial. What was he doing? He was in isolation. Asking God, saying, God, would you give me the grace and the strength to do what you've called me to do? You see, it's in private. You see, Jesus was in the garden preparing in private for the greatest public thing that's ever been done in the history of the world. You see, God prepares you in private for public impact. And it's interesting because as Jesus is in the wilderness, He gets tempted. And something happens in the wilderness. When you are in a wilderness season, and maybe tonight you are in a wilderness season, there's three things that's going on when you're in the wilderness. Usually when you're in the wilderness, you're vulnerable. Like Jesus, you ever hear tell the phrase halt before? Halt? It means you're supposed to stop and check yourself out. Halt means hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Okay? And when you're one of those four things, you got to put the brakes on and see what's going on. Well, we don't know if Jesus was angry here in Luke chapter 4. We know that he was hungry because the Bible teaches us that he was. And I can guarantee you he was lonely, not being around people for 40 days. And I imagine he was tired not having anything to eat in 40 days. So Jesus was in a vulnerable position. And so in that season of wilderness... When you're in a vulnerable position, there's three things that are going on. The first thing that's going on is you're vulnerable, so Satan is going to attack. He is going to come at you, and he's going to tempt you in your most vulnerable areas. That's going to go down. The other thing that's happening while you're in your wilderness season, though, when you're by yourself, when you're isolated, when it's just you and God, and you are seeking him, all the stuff that's in your soul and your character is going to come to the surface. And there's some stuff the Lord wants to deal with in your life that's going to come to the forefront. And those things, church, only come up when we take the time to actually slow ourselves down and listen to what the Spirit is saying to our soul. That happens in the wilderness. And the other thing that happens in the wilderness is what God's Spirit's actually doing in our lives. So wilderness seasons, they aren't that fun. 
There's battles going on with the evil one. We've got to deal with ourselves, and yet God is doing this amazing work in our lives. But you will be vulnerable in your wilderness season. Jesus had to resist Satan in his vulnerable moments. There was a battle going on. There's three times the Bible teaches us here in this passage that Jesus had to resist Satan. Satan even used scripture against Jesus. He will do whatever it takes to try to get a crack, to try to get in there. And he knows what our vulnerabilities are. He knows kind of how to lie to us. And he'll use our strengths and our weaknesses against us. Like, maybe you're really good at something. Maybe you're really good at fishing. And you do really, really, really well. You know what? Satan will actually use that against you. He'll start to put pride into your head and your heart. He'll start making you think you're, you're better than you actually are. And you'll start to kind of look down on other people. Whatever you're kind of good at, Satan will try to puff you up with pride. So Satan will use your strengths and your weaknesses in your moment of vulnerability. The other thing, the weakness he'll use is, I know in our culture today, we have a lot of people that struggle with self-worth. They struggle with seeing themselves as God actually sees them. And so Satan will come in and lie and saying, you're ugly. You're so useless. How could God ever use someone like you? Those are the things that the enemy will come. And often, I mean, he can do this when the Spirit of God is moving, when we're on the mountaintop and we have this crazy encounter with Jesus and we're feeling strong. But often, we're in those moments, we're so tight to Jesus, we can recognize those things. But it's when we're hungry, when we're lonely, when we're tired, when we're on the edge, when we're by ourselves. It's those moments that Satan is so crafty. He comes in like a roaring lion and tries to pounce on us in a moment of vulnerability. But Jesus modeled for us that we can actually resist him and he will flee. You see, I think some of us are convinced that we're on the losing end and we'll always lose. But because of Jesus, we can actually overcome the enemy. We don't have to give in to temptation. We can walk in newness of life. Jesus has given us the victory. And when we overcome in private, when we resist the enemy in those moments of vulnerability and weakness, we start walking in freedom and victory and God can entrust us with ministry. Because in the wilderness, God has tempered and developed our character. There's people that get thrown into ministry and thrown into roles and jobs, but their character cannot hold up underneath it. And they quickly crash and burn. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to temper you in that season of wilderness, God prepares you to be a vessel that is fully dependent on him. You know, I think all of us want God's power. I just don't want the character-building experiences that allow God's Spirit to work through my life. So Satan loves to strike when we're vulnerable, but I'm here to tell you, church, like, the Bible wants to equip us to actually overcome Satan. He's the father of lies, but you can actually walk in freedom. All the lies that we believe, they're from the evil one. And Jesus wants to teach us how to actually do battle right here. So you can actually overcome him, not in a cocky or arrogant way, but you can actually walk in freedom. 
that you, even though you will always face temptation, you can have the hope of not giving into temptation, not because of your own strength, but because you're dependent on God. It's in those moments where you're saying, when you're tempted on your phone to go places you shouldn't go, you say, in the name of Jesus, get behind me, Satan. It's in those moments of vulnerability where you take the authority that God's given you in Christ and you do what the Bible teaches you and you resist the devil. And what does he do? He flees. But he will wait for the next opportune time. Because if we look in Luke chapter 4, that's exactly what happened. Jesus resisted the devil three times and the Bible teaches us that Satan waited for an opportune time. He'll come again. But when he knocks on the door, you got to put him in his place. You see, the Christian life, this is the tough part. It's a battle. It's a battle. But the good news is, Jesus has overcome. It's not just all battle. It's battle, then breakthrough. It's battle, then breakthrough. It's battle, then breakthrough. And when you break through, you're overcoming. You're growing. God is preparing you, and he can do more in and through your life. Like, have you ever thought about this? What does God want to do in and through you? He wants to do incredible things through your life. But you got to face the battle. You got to go through the breakthrough. So you can expect the battle when you have a breakthrough. But you can also expect the breakthrough when you're going through the battle. Breakthrough, church, and this is what I want to encourage you with tonight. Just track with me here tonight. I want to encourage you, if you're in a battle and you're clinging on to Jesus, the breakthrough will come. This might feel like a season that's going on and on and on, and you feel like you just, when will this let up? When will this quit? I can promise you, if you hold to Jesus, the breakthrough will come, and you'll be stronger because of it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come at this time. I think some of you are in a battle tonight. And I'm not going to pray tonight that God would take away your battle. I'm going to pray that God uses the battle to do in you what he's got to do. But some of you are in a battle and you need someone to pray with you. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up at this time as well. Some of us just need someone to pray for us that God's spirit would give us the strength. Maybe you feel like throwing in the towel tonight. Maybe you feel like just giving up. Maybe the battle's just been raging on so hard, you're just like, man, I just, when will this relent? And again, we're not going to pray the battle goes away. We're going to pray that God gives you the grace to get through the battle because he's doing something in the battle. He's preparing you to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit that God can use to do tremendous things. You see, God wants to unleash a movement. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to prepare and equip you. You see, when God fills you with the Holy Spirit, he gives you gifts and abilities. He gives you his power and his passion. He enables you to be who God has called you to be. And living life in the Holy Spirit's incredible. And you do have those breakthrough moments. This past Monday, James and I were into the hospital and someone had called us in because they were kind of nearing the end of their life and they wanted to come to faith in Jesus. And so 
James and I had a chance to meet with this guy and, and he prayed to accept Christ. And while we were praying with him, there was this guy across the curtain and while we were praying, this guy was going like, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. And we're like, man, this is cool. Like, God, you're working in this hospital room. And so we prayed with this guy to receive Jesus and he became a Christian. And then after that, we had opportunity to, to go over and to pray with this guy named Austin. And he was just so encouraging and we had an opportunity to, to pray with him there in the hospital. And this is like Monday morning at like quarter after nine. And then on the way out, we had opportunity to meet with someone else who was going to kind of going in and we had a chance to pray with this person as well. And so here it is, quarter to 10 on a Monday morning and James and I are as happy as two pigs in mud. And James led worship at 10 o'clock and I want to tell you something, man, he was ready to worship. And we can't take any credit for that. God gets all the glory. But man, oh man, church, when you start to have the Holy Spirit work through your life, it's such a joyful experience. That's why the kingdom of God is described as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wants to work through your life, and you'll never feel so fulfilled in this life than when you allow the Holy Spirit to minister through you to bless someone else. That is God's plan for your life. And the battles are worth it. Because the battle makes what comes out of your spirit even more richer. So if you're in a battle, I'm praying for you. Maybe you need to come up for prayer. But can we tonight embrace the battle because we know that God is going to use it for our good? Let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for tonight, and we just pray that you'd help us, God, in our struggle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in high places. And God, we put on our armor tonight, Father, because you've called us to do war, God. But we know that you've overcome, that you've conquered sin and death, and you've given us your presence. So God, would you use us and send us? And for those that are battling tonight, if they need prayer, Father, would you help them to respond? And would you give them grace in the face of their battles? In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I want to give you three practical things to kind of take away this week and apply to your life before you go. Maybe this week, for the first time in your walk, or maybe the first time in a long time, you actually practice fasting. You take a day, you don't eat any food, and you just wait on God and see how he does in and through your life. That's one thing. The second thing I want to encourage you to do, maybe you'll pick this one rather than fasting, is what if you spent a significant chunk of time by yourself alone with God? You isolate yourself from people, you quiet the noise down so you can listen to your own soul after what's been a very busy season for a lot of us and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What if you took time to do that this week? Or maybe finally... I had a, a prompt come up on my Bible app today that asked me if I wanted to start doing some Bible plans on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't know that much about the Holy Spirit and you want to kind of get to know who He is. I'd encourage you this week, why not start a Bible plan from the Bible app on the Holy Spirit? So fast, go to an isolated place, 
or start a Bible plan on the Holy Spirit this week. There's three practical things I want to encourage you to do as you go from this place. And maybe you want to process some of this stuff out in a small group. We feel free to join one of our small groups as we take a deeper dive on some of this stuff. Let me pray for you as we close. Father, thank you for today and thank you for this space. Thank you for this church. And I pray that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit as we celebrate Pentecost today. We celebrate the outpouring, God, of your Holy Spirit. And I just ask once again, relentlessly, Father, that you'd pour out your Spirit on your people. God, you don't need a movement that is led by a bunch of pastors, God. You want a movement that's through the church, through the body. You want to fill the body with your presence, God. And I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would download gifts and abilities and and, and, and commission us to be goers and be sent by your spirit power, God. Father, we need you, Lord. We can't do this mission without your empowerment, God. And we can't do this mission unless you prepare us, God. So, Father, prepare us, fill us, and send us to be the people you're calling us to be. Father, will we be sent from this place in the power of the Holy Spirit?